place. Thanks for having me, Don. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, trying to handle the heat here in Michigan. It's currently 85 and climbing. By Friday, we're at 90.95. And they've already put out drought uh, conditions for the rest of the week and the 4th of July with no fireworks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I bet people are bummed. Oh, they're bummed, but will they follow? I don't think so. Probably not, no. <laughs> not here in Michigan. So it's great to have you here on Michigan Pathways. Um, it's the first interview that Michigan Pathways have had. You know, I kind of go over gear for beginners and newbies that are looking to get out on the trail but don't know where to go. So it's an honor to have you here that you've been on the trail, but not once, but twice. Um, so the first one you developed a book through, which was called The Through Hike of the Superior Hiking Trail, A Guide for Hikers. What's up to that? That, uh, that guide, yes, was the product of my first long-distance hiking experience in 2017. I did about 516 miles all here in my home state of Minnesota. I called it my Arrowhead Amble, and I did three different trail systems on that trip. Um, the Superior Hiking Trail, the Border Route Trail, and then uh, Isle Royale. Um, so, and I just had such a profound experience on that hike that I wanted to, um, make it as easy as possible for other people, uh, new long distance hikers to do a through hike on the Superior Hiking Trail. Cause I think it's a fantastic option for people who are wanting to do their first long distance hike. The trail is about 300 miles long. It offers um, a beautiful, stunningly beautiful kind of wilderness experience. At the same time, it runs fairly close to several communities along the North Shore of Minnesota, making it very safe and very easy to resupply and, and do things like that. So it's a wonderful option. It is nice to see uh, trails like the NCT kind of come through, like the Pacific and the Appalachia, that come through communities where we can experience different things and, you know, resupplying without any issues and getting right back on the trail. Yeah, the Superior Hiking Trail is part of our longest national scenic trail in America, the North Country Trail that you mentioned. Um, that's part of the route. It's also kind of a separate, uh, it's a pre-existing trail that was included in the route recently, actually last year, that was uh, approved by Congress. All national scenic trail routes have to be approved by the federal government. Um, so, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really easy to, to resupply on that trail. Other parts of the North Country Trail were actually a little challenging for that. The North Country Trail really runs through some wonderfully remote and rugged areas. So it was a, it was a bit more of a puzzle to figure out on my second long distance hike, which was last year. And I did um, a third of that, of that 4,600 mile trail. I hiked about 1,500 miles from Michigan to back to Minnesota. It started right off in, uh, oh, where was that here in Michigan? It was, I might. That's right. I, I started Manistee. at the Southern Boundary. Yep. yep. Southern yep. National Forest, yep. which was amazing. I really fell in love with that, that forest. Um, I love your uh, 
Michigan surprised me with how different it was from Minnesota. I had always kind of considered us as part of a similar ecosystem, but Michigan is very different than Minnesota. Um, and honestly, the hiking uh, conditions in, in Michigan are a lot better in certain ways because of the geology you guys have here with the big sand deposits up north from the glacial period. Um, the trails are just smooth as silk. And then you get all of these amazing, like the Manistee River was one of the coolest rivers I've ever seen. And I've traveled a lot with the way that it erodes those huge sand dune banks and stuff like that. So I, I really fell in love with, with Michigan. Minnesota is is equally beautiful in, in uh, other ways. Uh, we're a bit muddier than you guys. <laughs> as a native of Michigan... Yeah, if you come like the Superior Hiking Trail, be prepared for you. Be prepared for what you gotta. You gotta just accept it and embrace it. <laughs> Part of the suck factor in hiking. I say, I literally embrace the sucking mud. Like it's gonna get. <laughs> Being native to, to Michigan, even for forty-five years, I have never been up into that area of Manistee. Uh, I've traveled through it, driving and such, but never really got on the back trails of that. Um, spent a lot of my time up north and uh, growing up in the Holton Lake area, um, Higgins Lake area. So I never really got down to that area because we had so much to offer further north. So um, definitely on one of my bucket lists to do, uh, maybe incorporate it into a uh, through hike. So um, with that came challenges, I'm guessing, when you were doing both. For your um, first hike and then your second hike, um, what were the biggest issues you had changed up for that? Sure. I think uh, people, I think I, I was really, you know, worried and focused on my physical ability to do the hiking, which actually was the easiest part. Um, probably the toughest learning curves I had were with um Exposure, like understanding how to keep yourselves healthy and safe in different types of conditions. In the North Country, you know, I always joke that anyone who's doing any kind of outdoor like backpacking in the North Country should be prepared for three season weather, even in August. You can get really cold nights, even in the middle of summer. But then you also, like you guys were hoping with this week, can get insane heat and humidity, which is also very dangerous. So, um, yeah, so I so learning how to how to do that. I've definitely my scariest moments on trail have been actually heat related both times. Um, in the trap hills in Michigan, I think I was borderline uh, heat exhaustion and had to get off trail because I was just really sick all of a sudden and I didn't know why. And then on my first hike, I. Um, was I overhydrated because of the heat. So I was drinking too much water and not getting enough salt, which can cause a condition called hyponatremia. It's kind of like the opposite of dehydration where you have too much water in your body and it impacts how your cells function. It can be really, really serious. So, um, yeah, so that was learning that, like, that was a connection I hadn't made before I started. I didn't realize that in the heat, I needed water but I also needed salt and electrolytes just as much as you need liquids so. that's definitely a true thing uh, that's something that everybody should at least I think having their first aid packs um, is salt uh, or some type of uh, ionizing that would help 
or electrolyte tablets. Um, I know a lot of people like salt. I know you don't like a lot. You're not a fan of salt, but um, who really is? So I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of salt before this hike, but I have now come to understand and appreciate how necessary it is to stay alive. So <laughs> I eat a lot more salt now when, yeah. when I'm exercising, when I'm exercising in the heat. Yeah. Yeah, that's just one thing I've never been able to do is eat salt uh, with any kind of as far as table food or anything you know, because you cook with it. But I do a lot of Himalayan salts or sea salt. So um, I kind yeah. of very well. Well, I guess in our, in our regular lives, we actually have too much salt in our, in our pre-packaged foods most of the time. Like there's way too much salt in there. So that's why I think um, we've kind of developed a habit of avoiding it as much as we can some of us and who are trying to be healthier in regular life but so that was a huge like you know oops okay this is a blind spot i had in my or you know uh, in my knowledge for outdoor life uh, you know and so those are the things you kind of learn as, as you go out you do these backpacking trips short distance or long distance um and another big challenge, of course, is learning how to cope with the bugs. We've got a lot of bugs here in the North Country. <laughs> um, so many that a lot of people even avoid hiking during the bug season, which I just think is a crying shame. I really do. It is definitely uh, challenging, both physically and mentally, but you get so many rewards. I mean, the forest is, I think, personally, at its most beautiful in you know late June, July, um, so many wildflowers, so many berries. I mean, I'm sorry, but you cannot go out and eat your body weight in blueberries without hiking during the season. You got to do it. The black flies are what pollinate the blueberries, so we need them. <laughs> yeah, there's always that uh, nice balance uh, that Mother Nature gives us, and sometimes we as humans don't like that balance, but we have to respect them all while we're out there. Well, I also, uh, you know, uh, them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mother Nature. One or two of them have to be sacrificed. So. I will swat a mosquito. Yeah, I sure will. Um, but yeah, so one of the best tricks I found for the bugs was actually um, I discovered because when you're out in, in July, early July, late June, they are really, really thick. Like they're basically so thick that bug spray doesn't work. It's pointless. It does not work. So the best tricks I found was you definitely need bug netting. So I have a head net. And then I also have an entire shirt made out of mosquito netting. And then I, and then my hiking clothing is chosen very specifically for bug protection as well. Um, so I always wear very, I wear baggy, quick drying, long sleeve, long pants, which sounds terrible in the summer heat, but, but for me personally, yeah, I can tolerate the heat better than I can getting bitten by 400 mosquitoes at the same time. Yeah, watching the videos uh, of Wild Stories and watching uh, you going through the Petoskey area, even right up into the UP there, it was quite uh, brutal to watch some of that. It's like, oh, God, this rough. I really want to go through that. Well, yeah, we want to, to experience that. but I mean, for your first trips, I would definitely recommend going out in uh, the fall if you can manage it because, like, like uh even even mid August, at least the black flies have kind of calmed down a little bit. And but mid August to, to mid September is a really sweet spot for the North Country, at least um, to your first trips. Early spring is also good, like late May, um, mid May. Um, the challenge there, of course, is that the tick catch happens at that time of year, so you got to be really really careful with 
ticks, but the ticks really mellow out later on in the season. So sorry I'm talking so much about bugs today, John, but it's uh, <laughs> hey, it's that thing we need to pay attention to because sometimes that makes or breaks a uh, a really nice. Um, I'm Michigan Pathways. We're going up in uh, late September, uh, the week of the 21st, for our hike from Grand Sable to Quantum. So, yeah, we'll be kind of dealing with them a little bit. We did Pictured Rocks last year. Um, had a few ticks. Wasn't too bad. Uh, mosquitoes didn't see anything, you know, at the end of October, November. So, most I had to do was the changing of the snow and rain and cold weather so that's to be expected yeah. in the north so yep <laughs> so out of that um i know we've you've looked at the challenges and stuff like that um what were the challenges for food like i mean going from day to day to coping on the back country with dehydrated meals and is there any suggestions for dehydrated meals you know, I'm really still learning a lot about um, food while backpacking. Uh, my food evolution has been going from when I started, I really wanted to make all my own meals. I, I had a dehydrator. I got a vacuum sealer. I dehydrated for like four months before I left on that Arrowhead Amble. I, had, um, I found a website I really like called The Backpacking Chef. Um, my still to this day, my favorite backpacking recipes, uh, self-made recipe comes from that site. He's got a great one for shrimp and grits. It's so easy. So you get mm. instant grits and you just get pre-cooked shrimp, um, frozen. You let it thaw out, you throw it in the, clean it, throw it in the dehydrator. Super easy. And it shrimp dehydrates beautifully and it rehydrates beautifully. Um, and then I found this great company, North Bay Trading Company, which is over in northern Wisconsin. So they're local, and they do the best freeze-dried veggies and fruits that I've ever found anywhere, hands down. And I've tried a lot of them. I've ordered a lot off of Amazon. I've bought a lot at REI. Um, these guys by far have the best ones. So I always, and then I throw a bunch of veggies into the into that meal. That's one of my favorites. So for my first trip, you know, I basically did all of my resupply by packing my own boxes and mailing them to myself. And what I discovered on that trip was because I hadn't done long distance backpacking before, you know, we talked about the need for salt and stuff like that. I hadn't put enough salt in my meals. Um, I also had not included enough calories, not even close. I didn't have enough. You need, really need, you need salt, you need fat, um, you need protein, you need carbohydrates in, in much different ratios than I normally eat in regular life. In regular life, probably half of what I eat in a day is just fruit and veggies on the trail. Um, and again, I'm still learning about this, but it's like I did not have enough fat in what I packed. I did not have enough salt. Um, so for my, and then also I, I found that a lot of the stuff that I packed, um, I didn't, I didn't really want to eat. Uh, so I, uh, for my for this trip on the longer trip on the North Country Trail, I decided to not do resupply boxes when I didn't have to. There are parts of the trail that you have to do them because there's literally not a store for 200 miles close to the trail, so you got to do a post office. But um, yeah, so so this time I went the complete opposite direction, probably too much, 
and switched entirely to basically and changed completely how I eat on trail. So instead of rehydrating dehydrated meals, um, I basically switched to a no cook system except for my cups of coffee. <laughs> like I literally carried a stove just for coffee. I didn't cook anything else with it. And, um, especially in the heat and in, in, in bug season, I didn't really want to eat hot food anyway. So I switched to basically eating a lot of wraps. Uh, so tortillas and flatbreads and dried meats and cheese and nut butters and Nutella and for, you know, fruit, lots of, just lots of snacks, lots and lots of snacks. Cause that's when, that's what I've learned this time around is when you're, when I'm backpacking, I need to stop thinking so much in terms of meals and in, and more in terms of a constant calorie drip. So I needed things that were nutritious, but also easy for me to store in my hip belt. So while I was like, while I was physically moving, I could be eating, especially in bug season, I did not want to stop to eat. So I would just basically like do my little wraps, stick it in a Ziploc, put it in my pack and just eat while I walked, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a challenge there. Um, so how many calories do you think one should consume? Um, I know everybody's different as far as food, but um, what do you recommend calorie-wise? Yeah, I think that depends on your body weight, the weight of your pack, uh, the terrain uh, that you're going to be doing, uh, how much elevation change it is, how much climbing you're going to be doing, and uh, also conditions. So um, when it's cold out, so basically anything below 60 degrees, your body has to work a lot harder to keep yourself warm. It's burning a lot more calories. So if you're going out in cooler temperatures, so in late September, I would advise you guys to have more calories than you think you're going to need because um, your body will be actually burning more calories than just when you're physically moving. You will actually be burning calories when you're sleeping at night to keep yourself warm. Um, and that's a big trick backpackers use. Um that I'm just learning about because I was having a lot of trouble staying warm enough at the end of my hike in September. And some folks were just teaching me that they were like, you know, you need to basically eat like 2000 calories before you go to bed. But that's for through hikers who are, you know, doing huge days. When you're through hiking, they say you can burn anywhere between four and 5,000 calories a day, uh, which is insane. You know, when you think about a lot, yeah, you know, they talk about, you know, you should be, they say to lose weight, you need a calorie deficit of 2,000 calories a week, you know, in regular life. And you're having that calorie deficit in a day, probably because it's so, um, yeah, so, you know, any way that you can get healthy, uh, healthy fats um, into your diet is really good, I think, to keep yourself energized. Yeah. Good, good. We'll definitely take that one into advice. So gear, gear, I guess, was a, a big change up for you um, through there. I, I read quite a bit uh, about the gear that you were carrying at the time and what you recommend. Does that gear change up from the book to your for the NCT? How much changed up there? My gear really changed from going from a beginning backpacker and uh and then when I left on that Arrowhead Amble, so the hikes that, uh, out of which that book uh, grew. So I actually, I did change my gear before I left for that first long distance hike. Um, you know, like many, many beginning backpackers, I, I basically bought gear because of budget. Um, what I could afford, I wasn't very, I was kind of broke at the time. So I got things on sale and, uh, you know, didn't, 
know at the time to be thinking about weight. So uh, I have actually a kind of ridiculous picture of myself. I think it's like my third section hike on the Superior Hiking Trail. And I'm pretty sure my pack weighed about 50 pounds. It was bad because I had this like old Boy Scout tent that weighed like five pounds. I had a sleeping bag that weighed four pounds. My pack, my deuter pack weighed four and a half pounds. You know, just my, just what they call your basic, your big three were over, uh, I think 13 pounds just on their own. And then I was also carrying like ridiculous. I had my dog with me. I had his like dog bed with us. It was nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was, you can tell from the pictures that I just, my my pack was, I clearly look uncomfortable. So, I mean, I still had a blast on that trip, so that's what I tell people, like, gear's not going to make or break your trip. You can still have a good time with the heavy pack, but um, for that second hike, second hike, I definitely made a lot of changes. Um, I got a new pack. I really love the company ULA. They're American. They're based out of Utah. They make fantastic heavy duty but lightweight um packs minus more than three thousand miles on it now and it's still growing going strong nice. um i switched to i know you just got a a down quilt i i used a i've used a down quilt for the past three years um you know i i changed up my tent i got a lighter tent you know, i basically and but i also kind of just changed my mentality about what i needed out there because I think the first impulse we have is we want to make sure we are comfortable and safe. And because we don't know the woods very well yet or how to survive out there, we kind of don't, we're like, Oh, we bring everything. We bring the kitchen sink, you know, I had a huge first aid kit and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I just started really paring that stuff down by, by learning, you know, so like I went to, I took a wilderness first aid class before I left on that hike, which I highly recommend everyone do who's going to be spending a lot of time out in the woods on their own. Um, and that was, you know, it had, then I had the skills to decide what to bring and what to leave behind uh, with my medical kit and stuff like that. Yeah, that's something I always see quite a bit uh, being an EMT and also an herbalist. I see a lot of people bringing out the trauma bags and stuff. You really don't need that much. I, I applaud the safety, the, the caution and the hazards are, are, are brought to light, but the what if sometimes isn't there. Um, a lot of the back trails and we, we can take care of ourselves pretty well. Um, so that's why I always say, you know, a few band-aids, gauze, um, antibiotics, that type of stuff, but learn how to use the stuff. That's always the important part. And I like the uh, the first aid classes when they do teach that. Yeah. It was it was amazing. You know, they teach you how to make litters, uh, litters out of rope. You know, they um, the main point they made was like, you know, if you're – use what you have. Use the gear that you have. And I really thought about that. So one of the luxury items that I carry that is heavy is I have this camp chair that I love. Like, and, and the reason I bring it is because my favorite thing to do out on trail is find a beautiful spot, hopefully high up or next to a river or something like that, and whip up that chair, make myself a hot cup of coffee, and just sit and just sit in that beauty and really take it in. And, and uh, so that's why I bring it with me. But, you know, if there was, let's say I broke, uh, broke my wrist out there or something like that, that chair has rigid stays 
in it. So I could tear that chair apart, rip those out to make myself a splint if I needed to, you know? Um, so that's the other thing. It's like you get a little bit more creative with thinking about your gear and how things can be used for multiple um, purposes. Uh, you know, I don't bring a pillow. I don't. I'm not one. I'm, I'm not a pillow. Out of one. I love it. <laughs> no, I just use, I, and I, I, because for me, like, I usually have enough, uh, I kind of carry two sets of warm layers. I carry one that can get wet and one that stays dry for sleeping. So either way, I'm going to have something I can roll up into a ball and stick in a, in a stuff sack and, and, and use that as a pillow. So I try to multitask with my gear as much as possible. And that's something I was definitely debating on. A lot of people said I should get a pillow, uh, especially from last time, because I was sleeping on a uh, a bag that had some clothes in there and such. And I thought it comfortable more than I would an air pillow. I didn't have to worry about deflating in the middle of the night and waking up with a headache or something. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think, you know, I just try it out and try out what works for you. I, I think it's hilarious. Most people love the pillows and they swear by them and they're super light so it's not like it adds that much weight to your kit but um i don't use one because i don't find them comfortable like you said i don't find an inflated air just you know i could never yeah. figure out a way to make it kind of soft so it's sinking but i can tell you you know on the nights when it's warm enough and i just get to roll up my down coat and stick it it's so much comfortable it's like my favorite pillow of all i wish i could sleep on it all the time at home too um, I, I don't want to wreck it I definitely have a nice fleece jacket that I'm trying out this time around for our hike there. So I'm thinking that'd be my pillow with a nice stuff sack. So yeah, definitely go that route. So, um, any recommendations, any kind of, uh, anything, something new for the new hikers? Um, you know, I would recommend that people kind of start slow. Um, you know, cons basically consider your first trips just an experiment to see if you really, if you really enjoy getting out there. And a way to kind of set yourself up for success with that is understand that your first trips are going to be a learning curve with your gear. Um, getting to know your gear and how to use it and how best to keep yourself comfortable with that gear. And, um, and then also getting to know your body and how it handles, uh, a pretty, you know, basically an endurance sport. It's an endurance sport. It's, a, it's one I think everyone can do, but it is tough on the body. So, you know, finding kind of a, um, a beginner level, backpacking option, maybe a trail, a backpacking trail in a local state park. I actually think the North Country Trail is a great option in Lower Peninsula, Michigan. There's a lot of sections that are really good for beginners. So There is. It, it goes through a multitude of areas, and it's one that a lot of local chapters, they keep up. They have a lot of pride in those areas, and the trail angels are beautiful out there. You know, amazing. they are, yeah, it's, it's like, they're a phenomenon. I, it's, I still, I mean, I, I miss them all terribly. I really am mad that I can't come visit right now. Um, because they just, they're amazing. The chapters in yeah, the North Country Trail are the best people and yeah, and they do an amazing job of taking care of that trail. They do. Those are uh, uh, hardworking people and they definitely do get an applause from us you know that take care of that trail on a constant basis so well Annie 
been good to have you. So real quick, where can we find your book at? Oh, thanks, John. My book is currently available as an ebook on Amazon. So you can download, if you don't have a Kindle, um, you can download a free Kindle app onto any smartphone uh, through your app store. And then uh, you can find it on Google by just searching through hike, Superior Hiking Trail, or it's uh, linked on my website, wildstory.site, um, S-I-T-E. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, we, we've had a little bit of a delay due to the pandemic, but there should be a printed version available any day. Um, my publisher is Northern Wilds, Inc. So the book will be available on their website and also my website, too. All right, Annie, I appreciate your time and the knowledge that you're able to give us here at uh, Michigan Pathways. Um, anything for the future? Just hoping actually to get out and do some trail maintenance. I want to I want to give back to this amazing community that's has given me the great love of my life, um, uh, long distance backpacking. So I got to pay forward now. All right. Well, we do appreciate everything you've given us, um, and hopefully we'll see you out on the trail very soon. Definitely. All right. You take care, Annie. And once Thanks. again, if you like the interview, if you like the channel, go ahead and subscribe. And uh, we'll go ahead and put the information down below. And uh, thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.